Welcome to the Board Game Snobs Podcast. Critically harsh reviews with a touch of class. And go. Welcome. Make it better this time, Drew. To the Board Game Snob Podcast. This is the second time we've had to do this intro due to technical difficulties. That's okay. It doesn't lose the magic second time around. At least that's what I'm told. This is a podcast about board games, sort of, kind of. Sometimes we get off topic. Off topic. I am the host. No. You're not the host. I'm sorry. I'm the star. I'm the the star. I mean, isn't this co-hosted? No, technically, Gobby's the host. I am the star. I am the primary host of the show. Jerry is self-proclaimed primary star. Primary star, that's like Venus, right? In the morning. You are the host slash bartender. And you've made me a very suspicious, very dirty martini. He has been staring at it for a long time. There's stuff in this. You have roofied me. That is olive. I I love how you show your suspicion of the martini by absolutely (laughs) guzzling it down. (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes you just want to know what's in there. And that voice is the voice of the, uh, let's see, famous famous YouTuber of Five Games for Doomsday. And he does the designer. Dice Tower design notes design. or designer? Well, that's right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Gobby. At least one of you had the decency <laughs> to remember my work. Something like that. And uh, star of stage and film. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Benjamin Franklin Maddox. Yes. I wish my middle name was Franklin. Benjamin Franklin. That's much better than my actual middle name. <laughs> what is it? We're getting all people's middle names. We're making a list. It, it begins with W. Wayne. Wilhelm. Yeah, it's Wayne. Wayne. Embarrassing Wayne. Well, it's got to be William, like all the rest of the English. No, no I wish William? it was. It's Wayne, unfortunately. That is something. Brother, my brother named me after John Wayne. Oh, that- it is Wayne. It is. Oh. Wayne is a hillbilly name. If it's your first yes, name. It certainly is. If it's your first name. If it's, if your, it's your middle name, you just hide it. No, you just do the W. Tell anybody. At least it's not you- Dwayne. Because, oh. because then you have to go through the joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? Dwayne. Dwayne the bathtub. I'm drowning. Never heard that it's, joke. It's very good. That's very good. <laughs> I like it. See, we've had this discussion when somebody says, that's funny. That's very yeah. good. That's, that it's was- a thing Americans do, and they go, that's hilarious. Well, that's I mean, what- if it was hilarious, you'd be laughing. It's no? not worthy of a laugh, but well, it's hilarious. Well, sometimes. Jerry, you- no, no. I'm sorry. Me. I put my empty martini glass put on, on the, your on very table. expensive table. I'm sorry. I will put the martini glass down here in its appropriate spot. Boy, you are uptight. Why don't you take a few more swigs of your dirty martini? So, sir? Benjamin. He knows what's in it. That's that's why he doesn't. Um, I've noticed uh, your YouTube, uh, yeah. Five Games for Doomsday, has been uh, right. defunct for the last five months. I wouldn't say defunct is is the correct word. On hiatus. On hiatus. Is that due to your new gig on Design Notes? No, no, no. It's just that I had previously a um, a production assistant who helped me, and uh, then we broke up. So. Wow. <laughs> I need to buy so a that wasn't that, works that wasn't you doing music. all that fancy stuff. No, it wasn't me. No, I was like, I'm, wow. just, the go- I'm just the gorgeous on-screen talent. I thought I was like Ben. Really? No, he's he has a lot of talent. Knowing all this stuff, but he, his talent yeah. is just looking good and talking smoothly. Everybody's got tapping. Have- tapping is the correct word. Yeah. Um, I uh, I'm I'm very much the Orlando. I was very much the Orlando Bloom in that. Thing, <laughs> you know, gorgeous with not a lot of talent. <laughs> 
Uh, I know how that is. The well, podcast that that not the podcast, the YouTube videos that you've been doing with these designers has been rather fascinating. I've I've, I've been following not all of I them. I bet Gobby's seen all of them, hasn't he? Ah, uh, yes, he's a he's a shield. What's that? He loves the Dice Tower. <laughs> he loves the Dice Tower. He, he he thinks it's it's the it's the go to place for all things board gaming. But that's okay. You know, you can you can you can enjoy that. And, and we know we appreciate knowing that you had to sell out to go to the Dice Tower and you know kind of get your get hey, climb hey. climb your way. Yeah, they're it's great. Like, I I love this idea that there's some sort of indie authenticity to making a podcast about board games. Yes, and. I, and and not making money, and then when someone offers to pay you to do something, you're <laughs> selling out. Sell out. Yes, you got to be very punk. Jerry said it's not selling out; it's called buying in. Buying in, yes. And exactly. we would, we would love to sell out if Tom or anybody else would offer us. We would sell out if you are a company who wish to give us even the most minute amount of money to shill for you. We will do it. Out on the curve. We are ready to, to sell out. How many board game networks are out there? Who knows? There's Dice Tower. There's, there's, the, Dice Tower. there's the Gateway Network. There's the Gateway, which we're a part of. Yes. What's, what's the Gateway Network? That's exactly I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that I've never heard of it. Uh, I do apologize. The Gateway Network is a conglomerate of people who are perhaps they're starting off. Maybe they're slightly mediocre, and they want to surround themselves with other mediocre podcasts and content okay. creators and learn from each other. And okay. so it's like the gateway to poor production quality. Yes, and right. then you you improve. Like you surround yourself. You know the saying that iron sharpens iron. Well, this is more like I, I don't know some other soft. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to say anything because it sounds like that. I'm I'm slagging off people. I don't know. I mean, there, there could be lovely people involved in this game. Oh, they're, they're they're lovely. Oh, they're all lovely. of them are lovely. The the guy who runs it is a raging alcoholic. Um, <laughs> and he loves skulking. And his producer um, Jeff can just. I. They have it's a it's a conglomerate of podcasts. Instagram accounts and YouTubes. And basically mm. the idea is to just everybody shout each other out. Um, I have not seen any uptick in downloads on our end. So well, I it's, don't know. we are the biggest content creator there, <laughs> no. which is why our backs hurt for carrying the gateway network. But we, you know what they say though, don't you? If you want to improve at something, surround yourself with people who are worse at it than you. Yes. Then you'll definitely improve. That's 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 how it works. Well, it, it's good for the self esteem, though. That's the point. Yeah. And and you know, I don't really want to discourage people from making any more content regarding board games, but the the industry is overwhelmed. There's enough. And Stop. There are a lot of people. <laughs> like we 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 recently have done several ad reads for Podbeam, which is the people who host us, mm. until we can figure out how to. Get on Spotify. We get that big money. We're on Spotify. Are we? I want that Joe Rogan money. Where's oh, my, my uh, well, no, uh, the not, exclusivity? They're not our host, though. That's for sure. But people sit around and think, you know, my opinion is worthwhile. I think I should start a podcast or YouTube channel or something. That's why yeah. we started. Why did we start, Jerry? Uh, I think I was drunk with power. And I think I made comments. And, with, and alcohol. Yes. I made comments regarding trying to overthrow perhaps the Dice Tower. 
And, and now you want to be part and of it. And now I want to sell out so bad. I email Tom every day. <laughs> I'm sure All that right. helps. Okay, right. So, so I was approached by the Dice Tower to do these interview shows, right? Oh, he was approached. And he didn't approach them. They reached out. They reached out to you. And so, and so, did I tell? Did I tell you this story? No. no. So, so I, so, so basically, I was watching a Tom Q and A, and he said something about. So he mentioned my podcast, and then he also said something about we like to have other people on the top ten lists. So I wrote him an email saying can I come on one of these top 10 lists? And he said, yeah, next week. So I, I went on and we did the top 10 list. And then he said, we were on this Zoom call and he was like, okay, uh, everybody, uh, Ben, could you hang around after everyone's logged out, please? And so I was thinking, did I? <laughs> what, what's the language on this podcast? On ours? Um, uh, we're, yeah. we're family friendly here. English ben. mainly. Okay. <laughs> we do Spanish so, subtitles. So, so I said... <laughs> I said, you can say, so oh my God, did I drop an <laughs> F-bomb on the live <laughs> broadcast or whatever? But no, he said, do you want to do these shows? So I said yes, because he offered me money. So let's work through a pitch of what you would do oh, if Tom. you were going to approach the Dice Tower for some unique content. The Nudity. <laughs> if the okay, price is right. The hatted man calls you. <laughs> <laughs> the hat did man go. Uh, what would we do for the Dice Tower besides add a touch of uh, Southern charm and randomness? <laughs> yes, I, I do feel that there's there. You know, Mike Delisio adds a lot to the Dice Tower because yes, he he, does. he 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 is a H very numbers. Yes, he, he, he has a lot of years, years of life. The, the AARP crowd, the AARP crowd has certainly come in, and there's a lot more geriatric listeners. Um, now. I wonder why they've been shilling early bird specials <laughs> ever since Mike joined you, the Dice Tower. But now, now <laughs> you hear nursing homes around the world say, "One of us, one of this us." This episode of the Dice Tower brought to you by Denny's. <laughs> Pre-chewed food. Oh yes, I was watching one of those. I was watching one of those. You know, when they were moving into the Dice Tower, they did sort of live videos. Yeah, and there was like a box in the corner with sort of adult nappies. And now it all makes sense, you see. Oh. So Tom calls Jerry. If he calls, he calls my phone and I answer. He calls you. And I say, who's this? Tom who? This is Tom I'm looking for a healthcare hero. A healthcare hero. As my shirt advertises, I am so humble that I wear these shirts that make sure everybody knows. I would say, Tom, listen. Here's what we do. We do banter. And we do humor charm we do it all really except board games which really the dice tower is is if there's one thing that it's no, lacking there's always you know the pre-banter that is accompanies every board game related uh media there is exactly we not, are the not mine we are not yours we that's are, true we are the foreplay of board game podcasts we that's could true. warm up yes that's exactly it this is this is things that are you should be in the mood for Exactly. We could do that for Castle and so, Love Play. So you two are drunk, so that makes sense. <laughs> the podcast meanders somewhat, right? Slightly. But like like I don't want to slag off other media creators, and this sounds terrible, but don't doesn't your heart if you listen to a board game podcast, doesn't doesn't your heart sort of sink a little when you hear people go, So how was your week? Mm. I took the dog to the vet. I mean, 
doesn't doesn't sink doesn't your heart sink a little don't you think will you just get on with it uh, we actually had a v- podcast a couple of weeks ago about this very subject because I saw a tweet <clears throat> from a person that I now follow and they follow us and we're like, yeah. We stalk each other. Yeah, we stalk each other. And uh, it was about this very thing. I, most people listen to board game podcasts. They want to hear you start talking about the board games. That's true. But Every, almost every board game podcast starts off with, well, what'd you do this week, Bob? And what you're just saying, well, I took the dog for a walk. Well, you know I what hope, is, I hope they have a time stamps so that I can so, skip so, past all yeah, this. So people think that if you allow them into the deadening minutiae of their lives that you'll somehow develop some sort of parasocial relationship with them and give them tons of money. That's that's the reasoning behind it. You've got to get to know the person behind the shirt. Yes. Well, as far as I'm concerned, my, my perverse predilections are of absolutely no one's business, right? Well, see, we've done just we the don't. opposite. We have built a, a fan base based on airing out our own personal dramas on this very podcast and our own... Uh, but we don't do a what did we do this week thing. No, but th- it wouldn't matter because we are both interesting Although, people. I am see, a healthcare I t- hero. I took, uh, That's true. You're, I, you're I a truck might need driver. you because my dad has a blood clot in his leg, Jerry. Exactly. See, these are, we started I, taking Eloquis and it's a blood thinner. And now he's concerned, and we went to the doctor, and he was all scared. And I was like, Dad, it's okay. Blood clots happen. I mean, sure, you could die any minute right now. This is all interesting. We could do that, or we could just wear funny hats. <laughs> and but, but, I'm wanting the hat. I do have a question for you, though, and this is this is serious. Oh, ooh, ooh. Jerry, it's a serious question. I'm, I'm, all, I'm, I'm listening. Okay. I'm very listening. I'm ready for it. So, so what have you been up to this week? <laughs> Actually, well, okay, if we want to do that. Has he got a story? I got a story for you. Healthcare hero engaged. For instance, this 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 shirt here. See, fortunately, Ben, I was going to. I honestly, I want to tell something honestly for once in my life. Be honest. Be real. I had a message written to you about my dear friend Jerry, and how he should be. I nominated him basically for five games for Doomsday. Okay. Because he leads an interesting life. I, I left myself out because I'm going to stop looking at the martini glass. You roofied. No, <laughs> There's two I, of you. I am a truck driver. My life is boring. I go up and down the highways. I might see a wreck every now and then. Jerry's life is fascinating because who's going to be at that wreck rescuing people or removing well, I won't go that dark. The dead bodies. That's going to be Jerry. So I had an email, read, uh, not an email. I was going to message you and say, Jerry, mm. he's an EMT. He's a part-time firefighter. Now he's engaged in the hospice. He went on, uh, what was the podcast? Max Davy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Talking Max, about, yeah. I listened to that Talking one. about his autism and things he dealt with. His father was a Vietnam vet. How all that's influenced him. I was like, he's an interesting person, Ben. But you had us on your secondary show, not your That's, primary. It's not secondary. <laughs> yes. are, you, are you trying to imply that I would ever do anything? There's a tear. It's all. It's all on the last How podcast. Dare you? On the last podcast you were on, you said it was for the secondary tier. <laughs> <laughs> your own words have got you. But anyway, 
Jerry's very fascinating. For instance, go ahead, Jerry. Oh, well, no, no, put me on the spot. Not, not to blow your own trumpet. Not, not to no. blow your own trumpet. Yeah. I mean, if I could, I wouldn't leave the house. As my... <laughs> Joe as, Rogan can. As my, as my shirt advertised, I am a hero. Because this is uh, an audacious thing for which was given to me from my employer. But you know I, what's really heroic? What's that? Admitting that you're a hero. I, I feel like, I, you know, if you have to say it, it, it kind of does degrade the term. But wait, I feel wait, like wait. if Here I don't go. talk about it enough, people will forget. What are you doing? What are you playing? Oh, good! Oh, for you. I forgot about your sound drops. This is this is why we have you. This is why we have you. I delivered a baby just a few hours ago. Where did you deliver it? Uh, in the back of an ambulance, going eighty <laughs> miles an hour down the road. And so, did you yeah. just leave one of those cards in the door saying you weren't you weren't at home? You weren't at a little UPS. I put I, it underneath I left the, it outside in the green the, the doormat, fluffed it over so that the neighbors don't come, the porch pirates don't come take it. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't help. You, you literally delivered a baby. Yes, it was. It, it was. It was. It came out the wrong way. Not what do you mean? It, it was. You it mean was breach birth. Bur- not breached. Bumper. Yes. Yes. All right. There's a dark ending to the story that we won't discuss. Uh, well, there's always dark endings to all my stories. But I, either either way, I find that it's interesting as Ben was bringing out about the the media people in board gaming. There are ones that. You feel like you know them a little bit, even though you don't. Like, like we'll right. use Tom Vassell. Like, I, I've met him a couple of times. He's an interesting individual, and he doesn't particularly. Yeah, everybody kind of knows his story and a little bit about him. Do you think it's better if somebody and and we can go from this from your perspective as somebody who has climbed his way out of obscurity to now yeah. be the top rung? That's right. In the media, top rung. Uh, I've heard the term. Internet Titan thrown around numerous times. That's that's for Dan Hughes. That's not. For well, Dan has slid off. Dan doesn't even play board games anymore. Dan is getting that's into true. he's he collects toenail clippings or they, stamps. They podcast once every six months. Yes, he's based, yeah, but the bastard's going to win the uh, the Spiel des Jahres. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Core Quest, which I inspired, is a a wonderful design. I believe, even though I've not played it, and if Dan would send me some, the reviews aren't in yet, though. Guineas or whatever they use over there for money, I would shield for him. Whatever his company's going to be, CoreQuest.com. Uh, yeah, but the point is, the, 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 I was going to say something. Yeah, no, the point is. He was complaining to me a few weeks ago that they they haven't found a German partner to publish the game. And you can't win the Spiel des Jahres until the game is published in in Germany, right? Mm. What he doesn't realize is I'm conspiring and I'm telling all the German publishers that he's a terrible human being because I don't (laughs) want him to win the Spiel des Jahres. That'd be awful. Do you think... I hate it when my friends have success. Well, it's... <laughs> I, as I tell Gobby often, as I tell Gobby often, it's not that I... It's not only that I have to su- succeed, others must fail. Sure. Um, the, you stand what's on the... That, what's that Japanese... There's, there's, there's a phrase. It's something like the failure of your friends tastes as sweet as honey or something. Yeah, sta- stand on, standing on the bodies. Uh, so as somebody who has climbed their way out of obscurity yeah, and is now right. a top rung media person in board gaming, top rung. Yep. what if if you were going to give advice yep. to the to the pusillanimous peasants there are out there, no, what pusillanimous? Yeah, uh, I'll, me and me and Ben are of the same. Me and Ben both have the sources. Uh, uh, what would you I was give in, them? I, I was in a play for three months. And one of the lines was the definition of pusillanimous. 
What is the definition of pusillanimous? I can't bloody remember. (laughs) (laughs) It's timid. Um, But what what, what advice would you give somebody who perhaps is struggling? They have their own podcast. They have their own media. Besides just stopping, because that's what most need to do. They need to to go about their business. Yeah, there's enough. Everybody stop. But those that have the drive. Hard drives. You need that. What suggestions would you give them? Never I, give I feel, up. I feel Never very surrender. misplaced to give any advice whatsoever. But um, stop, I once stop your false someone, modesty. I, I, I once mentored someone. I entered this mentorship program for podcasts, and I agreed to mentor a guy. And so what, he sent me his first episode of his podcast, and I basically sent him my notes on what I think. And... I said you need to focus on what is the central core of the show. That is the main point, right? So he was he did this show where he was um he's partially sighted. And so in part of the show he talked about being a partially sighted gamer, right? Yet the rest of the show was very standard sort of this is what I've played this week sort of stuff. So my notes to him were you have a really interesting core idea that you're watering down with all of this other unoriginal, non-standard stuff. If you want my recommendation, you should focus on the central core of what your show is. So so I have, you know, the idea that I ripped off BBC Radio 4, mm-hmm. and you guys have the fact that you're irreconcilable drunks, like, well, which is, which is, which is from was, the outside very, very He charming. was struggling to figure out, define us just there. <laughs> <laughs> I went I went for drunks. And and so the thing is if you listen to the problem is right. If you so I'll I'll give you an anecdote to highlight kind of what I'm trying to say. I was part of a theater company uh back in the 2000s. And there was a guy in the theater company who was getting small parts in the play, but he he was also doing a lot of tech backstage. He was building sets, he was rigging lights and all of this sort of stuff. And all he wanted was to be an actor. And he was awful, absolutely awful. But he was a wonderful technician. The stuff he was doing with the set and the stuff he was doing with the lighting was really great. And that's where his talent lay. But he wanted to be an actor. So he sacrificed a lot of time to this dream that was never going to be achievable because he was awful. So... There are certain people, the reason, so this show and Sporadically Bored are very much birds of a feather, I think. And the reason the shows work and the reason they're entertaining is because the people doing them should be in front of a microphone. There are some people that simply shouldn't, and that's fine. They're skilled in other ways, but the internet has taught us that we should all strive to be famous and... We shouldn't necessarily, because, you know, having been an actor and for a long time and having done zero in my career, I understand how difficult that is. So, so I mean, I would say my advice to someone would be to seriously think, are you any good? And be brutally honest with yourself. And then if you come to the conclusion that uh, probably not really, go and save elephants. Do you think? People can be brutally honest with themselves. 
Um, That's a hard trait for people. Well, I I feel like social media, especially Instagram, is just a self-congratulatory circle jerk, right? In which you are whichever whatever kind of facile, mediocre achievement that you've managed to do that mm-hmm. day is greeted with unfettered applause. <laughs> the fact that you managed to go to the bloody supermarket and have a shower is not applause-worthy, in my view. Um, so social media makes it even more difficult. It makes it very, very difficult. Yes. It, ma- it makes it very, very easy, by the way, to cast aspersions on others' lives and... Uh, pass judgment on the worth of other people, but almost impossible to pass legitimate judgment on yours. The point is, no one's crap at everything. So, for instance, I'm crap at 99% of things. There's 1% of things I'm I'm all right. I'm very good at moaning, and I'm very good at being a bolshy drunk. You're a good cyclist, right? Hmm? A cyclist? I'm not a good cyclist. You're not? I mean, it's... I'm an enthusiastic cyclist. Oh, okay. Good that's, there you go. So, uh, yeah, you should be brutally honest with yourself. And and so so, I often appraise my skill at things, what I would say realistically. And people often say to me, oh, don't be so hard on yourself. And I'm like, I'm not being hard on myself. It's a true, realistic reflection of my particular skill. So I was talking about, I, I've been playing the guitar. I've been writing songs recently, and they're, they're kind of not very good. And I said <laughs> to someone, I'm just a dickhead who sits on a sofa and strums a guitar. And they said, oh, don't be so hard on yourself. And it's like, no, you don't understand. I'm not unhappy about that. That's just how it is, right? I'm just not very good. And it's not false modesty either, by the way. Whereas if someone were to say no, to we me, believe can you. you give yourself a realistic appraisal of mm-hmm. how you think you are as a mm-hmm. voiceover artist? For instance, as I would say, well, I'm a professional standard voiceover artist, and there's a there's a whole mountain of evidence to to back that up because lots of people have paid me to do it. But you should be realistic, I think, about your own strengths and weaknesses. And there are certain things that you're just irredeemable at, right? And that's fine because we can't be good at everything. I if I I couldn't decide tomorrow, that's it. I'm going to be a bloody mathematician and I'm going to work hard. <laughs> And I'm going to be a mathematician. Well, I think people don't temper their expectations. And I think when they get into whatever type of media, and I think it is influenced when they see TikTok, where these 14-year-old girls are just on there making these TikToks and having millions and millions of followers, where they think they can do something and be as famous or as successful or whatnot. And they don't realize that in board gaming, it's such a small market there's so much content out, out there already that if you're going to put something out there, you have to decide. And like I said, temper your expectations and realize you're probably not going to be incredibly successful. And so if your thoughts are you're trying to make something to where you're, this is going to be your job, this is what you're going to or make some sort of income from, you're probably not going to do it. But if you're just going to do it just to have fun, if it's just right. simply a... I, I mean, that's the only reason I do this podcast is Gobby enjoys it. I absolutely hate uh, talking about myself and how wonderful I am or or just having to oh, describe. Hates it, hates it terribly. But the podcast allows us this opportunity to get together, and it's something that we enjoy doing. It just so happens we're so good at it. 
I mean, uh, un, un, undeniable. And then I mean, you, so yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Because right? so my constant frustration with my show is that it doesn't make enough money. Mm-hmm. I'm not able to support myself from the work I do in the media. Now, there could be a, a number of any number of reasons, but I you should always entertain the reason it's because you're not that good, right? That's that's absolutely justifiable. You might not have the idea or the charisma to carry it off to the extent where it becomes super popular that you can make enough money. And so if you are doing it just to throw stuff out there and chat to your mates once a week, then then more power to you. But yes, you shouldn't expect the riches of Croesus to rain down upon you. And I've I've used uh, Richard Simpson as an example for this, as somebody who has done like over 400 episodes of his podcast. And I really enjoy Richard Simpson's podcast, The We're Not Wizards, which has been, again, on hiatus for several months. And and Richard is one of those guys that does something different. It's this long-form interview, very thoughtful, very back and forth. And uh, there's a... There's a... um, yeah, you're on camera there, Jen. Uh, with with with, uh, I don't know what he, I don't know what he's doing. He, I, I have no clue what he's doing. Oh, he was trying to he, he something. Stop up some noise. He's he, his wife. Uh, his, his wife noise. vacuums every time I come over. I I take it personal. Um, so with Richard though, I like he never his podcast. He'd often lament that it wasn't as popular as you would think something would be after doing it for so many years. But Richard was actually very talented. And often I had I had brought up like you're excellent at what you do. Perhaps it's just the audience is just not there for it. Like like mm. you, sometimes you're 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 a rock band at, at and you're just you're playing for the wrong crowd. You're playing for the wrong group, and maybe there's just not enough people that would appreciate what you do. And I, I've been fascinated with with. With what you're doing on the Dice Tower with interviewing these designers, I would assume that that's a, a very small audience of people and who watch the Dice Tower, that there's only going to be a handful of that percentage that are going to watch and listen to uh, about these designers. But I was shocked how many views these these videos get regarding uh, just you talking for 30 minutes to an hour to these particular ones and talking about the various issues that they've had. Is there a way, and you're very good at interviewing people, which is something that we we don't interview people. We just have people on and we, we yell at each other. Is there a, a – what's the procedure that you go through when you, when you That's know – the same thing I had written down. Oh, well, I'm looking at your notes. Uh, when, you, when you're getting ready to interview somebody, like you did uh, Johnny Pack – and uh, and uh, the various other ones that you that you've interviewed, especially. Um, it's good that you've watched one. I watched one, and I've watched Tony Bardell. There's there's several of them. I'm naming names, uh, but what, what's what's the steps that you go to to get ready to interview somebody? The questions that you think of. How do you delve down into trying to get these very awkward, very encapsulated people to open up? Because I would assume most designers are just weirdos. So I'll go through the process of this particular thing because it's relatively new and I remember it, the Dice Tower stuff. So Tom asked me to do this show. He said he wanted an interview show. And I said, what do you want? And he said, I don't care. I just want an interview show. So I had to come up with a structure that was mine, right? I had to come up with the idea, which is fine. I mean, of course, I'm being paid. That's, That's what I'm being paid to do. So I thought I need to do something that's interesting, but 
Firstly, it's the Dice Tower, and the Dice Tower is very focused on not dealing with sort of politics and things, right? And so I needed to do something that was not going to really engage with political aspects of gaming and stuff. Also, I needed to do something that was not going to cannibalize my own podcast, because my podcast deals with the personal life of these designers, right? So I didn't want to do a show on the Dice Tower that was just essentially a 30-minute version of my show. So I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll do a show that focuses on their design process. the Trying to get the sort of idea of how they make games out to the public, because you're right, it's a it's a small amount of the Dice Tower audience, but there's no doubt in my mind that a a percentage of people who watch board game media are also aspiring game designers. So getting that feedback from proper bona fide game designers, I think is useful. And and not only, and useful is fine, but it's not the most important thing. Interesting is the most important thing. And how do I... How do I get the answers out of them? I write all the questions beforehand, and I give them the questions beforehand. It's 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 very simple. Um, some some of the questions are off the cuff, but basically, I just prepare because I am scared to death of not knowing what to ask. So I write all the questions. How do you decide who? Just you... how do I decide who? Yeah, who to have? I just like think... people so... that you games you like or. Yeah, it's it's so so when I first started the Dice Tower stuff, if you look at the first five episodes, it's essentially people I'm actually friends with, right? That I know I can just send a mail and they'll say, Yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then afterwards, and because the thing is, because I did because I've done five games for Doomsday for four years now, I essentially have the contact of almost I have a contest of a lot of board game designers, right? And they've been on my show and they realize that I'm not an idiot. And so most of them are quite amenable. I just interviewed Richard Garfield again, right? And he was very amenable to coming on because he's dealt with me before and he knows, you know, I ask fairly interesting questions. I I listened to your five games for Doomsday and going along with the, the whole previous conversation, in that particular show, I would say you don't let like your like Jerry's thing with Richard was in an interview in a straight up interview show. It's hard for a lot of personality to come through for you. It's just it's just question, answer, question, answer. And you've already sent them the questions, you know, Hmm. kind of what or, you know, exactly what they're going to say. They probably ad lib a little bit. But I know I was wondering on your end as I listened to your show and I said this in the last podcast, actually. Sometimes, like, you just have it straight up question, answer, question, answer, and they know what's coming, right? Well, if they've read the show notes. A lot of people haven't read the show notes. Oh, really? So they... I send them them, and I say at the beginning of the show, before we start recording, I said, did you manage to have a look at the show notes? And invariably, all of them say yes, and you can always tell which ones are lying. So so then you don't know ahead of time what they're going to say, generally? No. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. But I was listening to, uh, well, in particular, Dan Thoreau, who I yeah. we absolutely love here at Board Game Snobs. Uh, brilliant man, and he sounds like he's you know got his head. I'm very just he's 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 a little worryingly intelligent. I yes. always feel kind of. I always <laughs> yes. feel kind of very um, very 
very insecure when I'm in a room with people <laughs> who, are, who, are, who, are, who are who are much much more intelligent. Yes, than me. yes, it's it's. I'm, I'm very relaxed on your show. <laughs> <laughs> But what I was getting at is like, so for you, do do you don't ad lib anything, do you? Sometimes, because on Dan's show in particular, like he went into like some of his uh, personal history about, and I think he talked about was it the Cub Scouts or Boy Scouts yeah. and all this, yeah. and like he answered that and it was like some dark stuff. <laughs> They're like, so the next game you bring to the cabin is, and I was like, I would have felt like you would maybe delve deeper into that is was that a a, a a decision you made on purpose like or like how was and not just him but certain people they'll tell you sometimes they'll say something i'm like oh that's interesting but then you like go to the next question which is good because that keeps it going and you have a definite thing you're shooting for and, and a definite you end. mean he doesn't let them ramble aimlessly <laughs> with no I, point well that's it's, my question yes. is it to prevent that or is it I'll let you go ahead and answer. <laughs> you need to get to the end of the show. So, right. so interestingly, I got a comment on this very thing, on that very show, on my blog the, a couple of weeks ago. Someone was absolutely incensed. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote saying, Dan was opening his heart to you and you just, like a robot, go on to the next point. That's so unprofessional. It's disgusting. And I wrote a very nice, I, I wrote them back and said, thank you. Thank you for your <laughs> I happen to not agree, but thank you very much for commenting. Do you still have that email, Jerry? The okay. point is, if someone brings up something very personal on my show, that's good. And if you notice, if that happens, what I tend to do is after they've answered the question, I will leave a moment of silence. Then I will move on. My show is not a psychological evaluation. And it's also not a it's also not a deep dive into traumatic events that have happened in people's lives. If they happen to bring them up, I think it's very interesting, but I don't feel within the context of my show that I would be showing them due respect to then focus for 20 minutes upon something that many could find salacious, essentially. That's what we could bring to the Dice Tower. People can exactly. come on and pour out their most personal, darkest <laughs> thoughts and feelings, and we could clumsy just go through it. Salaciousness. And not give any answers, not actually help, but just bring it to light. No, what? we have nothing to say that's going to help you. We're not here to help. We're just basically going to doctor oh fill this. Oh we my are, God, mate, you're in a terrible state. Speak to someone about sucks it. Sucks to be you. Do you remember what happened to the Cash Me Out Bat Girl? She's a millionaire now rapper. She the is. same might be for you. Come, also on OnlyFans. Come on to PTS Board not Gaming. Not that I'm subscribed. OnlyFans. What, what, what's OnlyFans? No one knows. It's a website <laughs> that just has oscillating fans. Um, <laughs> okay. You sit and it's kind of like, you know, that when you need it's that. It's like when you're building a house and you're like, what sort of fans do I need in here? Well, you got to have ceiling fans. Will it reverse? Window fans. Reverse? You never know. You got to, you, you can reverse your ceiling fans for oh, winter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you don't do that, uh, you're an animal. But I also, I like, so that's what I was thinking about. So your with show. the Dan Thoreau thing, right? I might have just messed up the editing because you're not the, the, the point is, 
you should it should feel natural and you shouldn't feel like oh that was abrupt so that no might just have been no it mistake. wasn't abrupt i i'm just i've i've come to realize and that, now that i appreciate that what you're saying in the context of the show you're saying you know you get to know them a little bit but these five games are bringing to the cabin but also it's an interview show and most people are what everybody tries to do generally is like with especially with podcasts are like it's a long foreign conversation mm. but your show is not a conversation absolutely not no, yeah it, it is straight up you have a few you, and like even a lot of your beginning questions are standard you asking the same questions you yeah. know uh, but then you get into the more of the details of some of their personal stuff right. but then you get into the cabin thing. Well, you really can't. You really can't delve down into it because then it ends up being like this podcast where we have to edit out so much stuff. I mean, yes. Know, <laughs> Dan, uh, I mean, Mike Blissio came on and we couldn't use any of it by the time we got through Got asking it. him questions. Matthew, I mean, I've spoken to him a couple of times personally, and frankly, I was disgusted. Matthew Jude cried, and we just had to cut it yeah. out. Like it was, it's yeah. very awkward. Something so, all alone. Blah blah blah. I know this is this is where you need to come on. This is like love connection for board gamers. Um, so if you maybe now's the time we could psychoanalyze Ben. What's your deepest darkest secret? Um, well, well, look, I, I just we've been talking about Richard, and if you want to use Richard as an example, right? There's a good guy. Richard. Richard's a stand-up, right? And so clearly, Richard is brave enough to enter a recording studio, inverted commas, with another person. <laughs> And kind of fly by the seat of his pants, and he's very good at it. I'm just not that courageous. Mm -hmm. And I have a plan, and I want to execute the plan. And maybe, so it has its benefits, and it has its drawbacks, right? Mm -hmm. Well, no, that's what, I, I, I've come to appreciate the difference between your show and other conversational style interviews because those can they just me like if somebody sees something they go after they, they meander and then if somebody brings up something well then they go into that but yours right. is like I, I like the efficiency of yours if that makes any sense so so my, my so so basically it's it's based on a radio for bbc radio 4 show called desert island discs the the format and Desert Island Discs is that. Desert Island Discs is very efficient because it's it's broadcast and a radio schedule. They need to bring it in. They need to look at the life of a person in 45 minutes, right? And so that was my goal with the show. Uh, initially, I wanted it to be 45 minutes long, but of course, things, things spiral out of control. So it's longer than that, but that, that's fine. Podcasts allow that, right? And so my goal with the show is to be as efficient as possible. And even more so, with the with the dice tower videos, I don't want them to be longer than thirty minutes, by and large. And I think I think it's important. But then again, you know, I mean, what do I know? Joe Rogan shows, <laughs> you know, I mean, especially since the ivermectin thing, you should start longer and longer. <laughs> if so, you tr have you tried DMT? Uh, if you would, you know, you, there's so many right. things that you could do that really engage your guests for two hours. Well, <laughs> I had a uh, Jerry left me alone one time and. I had this the designer of uh, Kickstarter Fractal, right? They wanted to come on the show, and so I emailed or I messaged Richard. I'm like, I've never interviewed nobody. I don't know how to do this, and he gave me some pointers. And 
then I realized the it, there is such an art to interviewing people. And I also told Jerry this later on. I was like, now I see why Ben does it the way he does. Because I would ask him a question and he would answer it. And I felt the compulsion to acknowledge the answer every time. Like, oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Like after they were done, I was like, no. And so I cut all that out in the yeah, the post because I was like, that's an so that now I see I like what Ben does because like he answers the question, they answer it on to the next question. Because it sounds silly when you go, oh, interesting after every comment is like well, because the problem is so I noticed this with people, they go, Oh yeah, fascinating. <laughs> the problem is then you have five seconds of dead air when you wait for the other person to acknowledge the compliment <laughs> you just given. So don't compliment them. Yeah. So 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 if they, it's up to the audience, I think. So so you should never forget. I, I'm very much of the view that you should never forget that what you're doing is a piece of entertainment fundamentally, and you should. A conversation is a conversation. A podcast free form conversation is not a conversation. It's a podcast. It's a produced piece of work. You should always intend to make it as interesting as possible, right? right? When I am having conversations with other people, I don't converse like this. I speak in half sentences and I refer to experiences that only me and the person in the conversation know about. If you ever, what's fascinating is if you ever read a transcription of an actual conversation, they make no sense. They make no sense. If you read, just people are sat in the pub and you transcribe exactly what they say. They speak half words, half sentences. They refer to stuff that, you know, happened to the pair of them 20 years previously. And they only have to say one keyword and both of them instantly know what they're talking about, right? They make no sense. Things like this are not conversations. They're heightened conversations is what i would say they're they're a production it, it, it is almost like theater and i mean it, you're not necessarily and i and and to, and to digress back to the previous point about people airing out their personal life or their or trying to have their personality come through a podcast you don't always want that like you, you want I a don't at all no you want a persona you want something to be like very obviously in our podcast gambi plays this very meek and timid person and people That's don't right. realize he's an MMA fighter. Um, and like I, myself, Navy SEAL. That's right. You're Navy SEAL. Uh, false valor. What's false, that called? It's, it's stolen valor. Stolen, stolen valor. valor. Yeah. The gobby. In, in reality, in reality, you both speak with Welsh accents. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it when, <laughs> when I first came on, on the Zoom call, and you were like, all right, boy, <laughs> what's a point? I couldn't believe it. I also do Russian as of the last episode. Oh, nice. And I'm incredibly uh, 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 timid. Humble. And humble, and, and completely not like my on-air persona. But it fits the narrative. You're, you're trying to create something that's entertaining for the listeners, but at the same time, occasionally, yourself will bleed through. You, you'll have something personal. Uh, after doing the podcast for four years now, I mean, you'll have a moment where your true personality comes through or there, there's something that you can see and the audience feels that. And I think that's really what is missing in, a, in, in that long form media is that if you're going to try to make the podcast 
interesting via your own experiences. You have better be interesting because right. the airwaves are filled with people who are much more relatable and and entirely more interesting than you. And so I think that's where a lot of people get this in their head. that They are going to become popular and have a following and, and, and be able to make it in a what really is a clickbait industry and in, in something that sure. is that that is just just ask Ignacy. Yes, with 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 just content everywhere, and, and they think that they are going to add something to it, and really, it's just more of the same. And I think that that is a difficult, and it's, and I sound like I'm discouraging people, although I hear previously, I think I did say nobody should be doing this. Yeah, everyone stop. Everybody stop. But I think it, it you you need to temper your expectations and not look at this as, as if you're going to be wildly successful. And I think so, that. The, that so makes my it goal with my podcast, right, is when I'm doing the, the interview podcasts, my goal is to have my voice in it as little as possible. That's my goal, right? So so the biggest nightmare, so, so Jamie Stegmeyer was very nice guy, don't get me wrong, but he has this habit, it's an instinctive habit, and it's born out of his social media technique of finishing any kind of speech with a question, right? So he'll talk about something and then say, if you if you look at him on Instagram or Twitter, for instance, Instagram especially, he'll say, I played this game. What do you think about these mechanisms? And he did it a lot in the interview, which is a nightmare because firstly, I'm the one asking the bloody questions. <laughs> and secondly, I don't think my opinions you you shouldn't be listening to my you shouldn't be listening to the five games for doomsday podcast to know anything about me to know anything about my opinions my role in that podcast is simply to facilitate someone else saying something interesting right this is why when I come on podcasts like this I talk a lot because I guess my role here is to talk and hopefully be interesting. But in my podcast, I, I want to be in it as little as possible, right? So don't, if you know, if I'm interviewing you, don't ask me questions because I don't want to answer them. And we appreciate that. As little as possible is best. Where, where, do, you, where do you see your show going on the Dice Tower? Do you, I, do you see yourself continuing on doing the, the designer notes or are you going to try something else? Well, I guess, so the Dice Tower stuff is contracted work, right? It was a commission. I was asked to do mm-hmm. something, and I guess I will do it until they ask me not to do it anymore. So do you have a set time like you uh, for a year? Try it for a year? Contract? No, there's no contract involved. Oh, okay. I just so, – so I pitch guests to Tom. He writes back and says, yeah, they're cool, and then I go off and do Oh, shows. the ones he says no to. That's- He's – to, to be fair, he hasn't said no to anyone. Okay. Oh, just, that's what we could do. We could do the the, the guests that were the rejects. The rejects. Let's have Dan that. Hughes. Dan Hughes. Yeah. yeah, when are you going to interview Dan Hughes and I ask him? I'm not him, having him. Yeah, yeah, the, ask him the, where. Well, I played a bunch of dungeon crawlers and show. decided to make my own, very much like the ones I played. Yeah. But for kids. Uh, yeah, Dan. But if you had to. quick, uh, Go ahead. Quick question. Uh, I was asked, uh, due to what we've discussed here and the kind of like the bam, 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 not the coldness of it. That's not the proper term. But I was thinking, I had, when we have people on our show, 
Mm. Oftentimes we do develop a relationship. That's kind of it is a relationship. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm progressively taking off my clothes <laughs> as the conversation goes on. But you do for some with some people, you develop a relationship, and like that sometimes kind of. So I, like, I like I look forward to getting to know this person better, and then even off podcast, you know, we message each other every now and then. I, triple D, I DM <laughs> Delicio daily. So. <laughs> Do you look for that in any of your, uh, I guess not because of your the style of your show, but, or do you? No, absolutely not. I don't okay. look for friends through, through my show, but there are some people, there are some people, and I don't think it affects the interview. I don't think you can tell in the show, but there are some people that you instantly warm to. Mm-hmm. And there, there have been people that I've stuck on the line with for a couple of hours after interviewing them. Usually I don't have much time afterwards. Yeah. Because especially as I'm usually, it's usually dealing with Americans, so it's usually late at night. But but there have been people that I, I, I've been on the line with and I've chatted to and we've, we've had a conversation, you know. And then there are people that I've had on the show that have done great shows that I have just instantly within within two minutes of getting them on the line, thought, this is not someone I'm going to develop a friendship <laughs> with in the future. We've experienced something like that since we we kind of went through a dry spell, I guess you could say, of board gaming, mainly due because I'm healthcare hero, pandemic. Right, exactly. Hashtag, uh, yeah. Um, Hashtag sacrifice. So we've been having just various listeners and people who we found us to be interesting, just random people on the show. Mm. And just... Ones that we have had on, there were many times where afterwards talked. We just just talking amongst ourselves, going, we really enjoyed sheer having, boredom. Sheer boredom. Uh, I'm talking about like like uh, uh, Denver and Jared, and I mean we had like an epidemiologist from California. And well, just, if you notice, just, I'm classy enough not to mention any names. Positive oh, no. or negative. No, we we drop names. We drop names. We're all about. We're well, all we are, fat. We fat shame people. We're just awful. These we're, are our listeners that we've had on. Uh, uh, we've had three so far, and there's some that really sucked, and there's some that we're <laughs> going to have on that we know will suck. But that's okay. Like Frankie, we love you. You can come on the show, but that'll be fine. Frankie, like, I love you. Frankie is a good person deep down. Okay, can I can I can I can I unwind on a on a little bugbear that. I've been having recently. Go ahead. I don't this is give a, a conver- monkeys. I do not give a flying monkeys. It's really difficult not to swear. <laughs> I know. I, I know you love to swear. I really do. <laughs> I do not care about the moral character of the people who produce the work I consume. Really? I don't give a monkeys if someone's a good person. You can say Are they frat. good at what they do? Better. Are they entertaining? Are are they able to achieve what they're planning to achieve in a professional, engaging manner? Then good. I don't give a monkey's how good you are. And don't try and justify your place in the world by saying I'm a good person. Because morality in so many ways is relative. So I don't give a monkey so you if don't, you're a good person. So you don't cancel people. I mean, so to cancel people, firstly, you need influence. And I don't have any. And secondly... Personally, I, you don't cancel people based on their actions. Yeah, but that's that's a different thing. Yeah, I'm not I'm oh. not consuming their work. If so if I think someone's so so, what's really interesting is actually mostly if I don't take to people, if I don't get along with people, it's not because they're morally defunct or anything. I just don't like them. 
which is which is nothing to do with their views on immigration or you know the equality of people in society. Mostly, it's just I sit at a table with them and I go, "Ugh, I don't like you for whatever reason." I, you know, it's not a quantifiable thing in most cases. I think Gabby's about to come out as a supremacist right there, as a Chilean supremacist. Um, <laughs> I think uh, Chile, viva Chile! <laughs> Everybody thinks it's the restaurant. <laughs> the, the two for 20 meal. Everyone's like, yes, we're down for that. We uh, love awesome blossoms. We, we love those. We, we love those volcanic, what are those cakes that have the hot chocolate in um, the, uh, It was the guy from Star Trek who I absolutely don't really like. Um, Chekhov. Wesley. I love Chekhov. Oh. Will Wheaton, who had yeah. a nice article here recently about. Um, he still I, does stuff, huh? He was talking about Buffy the Van, Van, Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Buffy the Band Fire. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Vampire Slayer. She, she, she kills banjo players. Uh, 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 and Joss uh, Whedon. I will kill you, Cletus. Poor old Susanna. <laughs> Not every banjo player is named Cletus. Um, or Southern. That's How dare you, Are ben? there Northern banjo <laughs> Steve players? Martin. Steve Martin. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Besides, oh, and Ed Helms. Ed Helms. Okay. I was going to say, I was going to say, uh, Earl, Scr- Earl Scruggs, then, but I assume he's very southern, isn't he? Yeah, <gasps> that Earl Scruggs. There's three famous banjo players. Oh, there's there's is. there's Steve Martin, Ed yeah. Helms, and the guy from Deliverance, the big guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he, what Will Wheaton was bringing up was about Joss Whedon and all the terrible right. like, accusations that happened on while making Buffy. Will Wheaton talking about Joss Whedon, and he was talking he was talking about how you can take. Y- y- you can look at the person's work and not the person. Absolutely. And yeah. and I appreciate that because a lot now, nowadays, well, people, they go by that. They they, they talk about people who they feel like, well, oh, these well, are nice well, people, like, to your point. There's an insidious implication there, isn't there? You're right. So if you look at the, if you look at, especially Twitter, what Twitter thrives upon <laughs> is accusation. Mm-hmm. Accusing people of not having the correct moral propriety. It's very, very similar to the Victorian era. You know, did you show your ankle? Then you don't deserve to be part of society, right? It's very, very similar to that. And what the insidious implication is, and it's only an implication, and if you were to bring people to task on it, they would deny it. But the point is, the insidious implication is, is this person has been accused of X, therefore this person is immoral, therefore if you like their work, you are also immoral. So to prove your morality, to prove your good standing within society, you have to deny things that bring you joy, that bring you pleasure, that have absolutely in their content zero to what the person has been accused of. And if you don't do that, if you don't pay homage to the altar of self-flagellation, you are no longer allowed to be part of our dialogue. I find that disgusting. As do I, because I think that that... Ben was gesticulating wildly just I was. then. He well, feels very passionate well, about Well, that's why this. he's better. He's good on camera. I, I don't gesticulate a lot. And he's not He's not hard on the eyes either. I'm going to be honest, Ben. You're a good looking I mean, man. come on. You're not bad. I'm, you, I mean, I'm you, glad. And you and literally zero women. <laughs> I, I was, my wife come in, uh, just sidebar. My wife comes in to the living room where I'm watching on my computer. I was looking up and watching all your, just various videos of Ben Maddox. I'm just YouTubing Ben Maddox. And there was a what scene of from 2012 where the movie that you were in, the Grim, uh, yeah. the Snow White one. Grim Snow White. Yeah. And I'm watching this. 
and I'm just in awe. Ben knows that come up in his Google searches when he's he's got that setting, you know. Right. Somebody Google's me, and, yeah. and I'm watching yeah. this scene, and my wife says, "What are you What are you watching?" I'm like, "I know this guy." Like, she says, "From where?" I was like, "Well, I don't know him. I've talked to him." Which one? And he refuses to look at you on camera. Have you noticed that, Ben? He does not look at he the screen. Look at the camera, no. He's so awkward. I ben. said that one, the one that is that, see, so not the guy that got killed by the dragon, but the guy who's cutting out his heart to take back and not to ruin spoiler alert if you haven't I seen haven't the Grimstone. Anyway, you don't need to. So. <laughs> but it was there was there was something about watching that that's like I know this person, and it made it so much better. And I think that's what people look for with their entertainment. Uh, a sure. lot of times they, they want to feel like they know this person. They want to feel like they know that this person's a good person or somebody that would hang out with them. This is a this is their buddy, so to speak. And so thus they get connected with these celebrities and then they start sending them emails and letters and hats and stuff and stalking them. And this is anyways, but they, they want to feel like this person, like they're relatable. And that they could, if if the tables were turned and they live close to each other, they would be close friends. Right. And I think a lot of that comes from this idea of not being able to look at somebody's work and the person. Like, I don't assume that Tom Cruise is a great person. I and assume he isn't. I assume that he's not. I mean, he's a member of a cult, so. Well, you know, there you go. I don't think he's even talked to his daughter, Siri. She's on the Apple iPhone. Talk to her. Right. You were waiting for that to bring. He know Gobby knows I bring up. He, Gobby hits Tom Cruise jokes an awful lot because I talk about Tom Cruise and various other actors. But he is nonstop. the best film movie runner that will ever. That be. man can. It's true. He's very good at running. Why? Okay. Why does he run like that? <laughs> it's amazing. It's okay. amazing. Very good at it. He's it's very cinematic. He's five foot six. I wish when I ran, people would say you run very cinematically. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, back to your point real quick, though, about Twitter. And I'm trying to get canceled. I've been trying Twitter. for a long Stop time. Trying, trying to get canceled. harsh. Get canceled on is, your- The problem is to be canceled, people need to actually hear what you say. <laughs> don't, well, don't get canceled on our show. Take it on your own show. I'm going, we're not wizards. <laughs> okay, but this is the thing, and it, it I see this all the time on Twitter. And this is a phrase that, A, certain groups don't like, but it's a true phrase, virtue signaling. Sure. So, saw, so, so here is an issue, right? Cancel culture, virtue signaling. So the issue is, right, if so, – so what has happened with these two concepts is that the right have weaponized them, and they've started to call things that aren't virtue signaling, virtue signaling. They've started to call things that aren't cancel culture, cancel culture. And what the people on the left have done have said, okay, these people on the right are using these terms in bad faith. So therefore, that means these terms don't exist, <laughs> which of course is also is also equally as wrong, yes. right? I've seen people cancelled, and I've seen people signal their virtue almost endlessly. I mean, there are some. I met this dickhead today. <laughs> Edit point. I'll be fine. Dickheads, all right. It's fine. <laughs> Richard Hand. Say Richard Hand. <laughs> so Richard. I met, I met this objectionable person today. Who was wearing a T-shirt that said "Healthcare Hero"? <laughs> <laughs> Can you virtue signal anymore? 
Than that. Oh, oh, okay. I agree 1000%. But I, I was an, given this shirt. An example of what I was thinking, and I've seen this on several occasions, and I don't even know the person personally. They may be indeed a very virtuous person, but they sure, say, I'm not, and I'm not going to, I'm going to. I'm going to paraphrase it where no one can track this down, but they basically were saying, I saw some, someone had a disagreement with me, but I reacted a certain way and realized that this person has these issues and needs help. And I helped them. And that's very vague. But then at the end of the thing, they said, moral of the story is be kind. And I wanted to say, no, the moral of the story is you're saying you are very kind. Be like yeah. me. Right. Be like me is what you're and saying. That's what, and I it's, was like, that is so ridiculous. And it's absolutely immodest. It is, it is false modesty, which is often the most immodest thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Not everybody can be a hero. Uh, do you think that, and I, as someone who's been a hero, I can't believe dickheads hero. not fine. It's fine. Dickens um, not a swear word, is it? No. The English let anything fly. Well, I was watching the English office, and they just throw around F words like it's network television. We throw around C words. Speak to Richard. <laughs> oh, Richard. The Scots, the Scots throw around the C word like it's... I played I played Can't they Stop with him. Like it's, like it's family dinner. I played Can't Stop with him, and he had renamed it, and it's not, <laughs> it's not the same. Uh, but the... the uh, <laughs> Thought, is this a, is this in the expansion? I'm not familiar with this game. What do you what are you calling it? Uh, <laughs> I didn't know if he was yelling. I thought he was just yelling at me the whole time. I was all like, right, what? Right. Point of order, uh, right? Point of order. Uh, You've said that this is a family friendly show, right? Sort of. And then what what Jerry has just said. <laughs> Everyone absolutely knows the word he's referring to, right? Absolutely. Everyone is saying the word to themselves in their own head. That's true. That's true. That's their problem. But we we don't want that E on our show on Apple, say. Ah, okay. we're trying to sell out or buy in. We're try- but we'll never get on Dice Tower if we just throw the C and F word around, okay? Well, d- uh, Ben did it. Um, he did. Well, it's he really did interesting. A- I did a video. You did a whole show I on cuss words. Swearing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I and I swore it. a lot. <laughs> and and then, I uploaded that video the week after Tom had asked me to do the interview show. And I was seriously expecting to get mm-hmm. an email saying, okay, mate, sorry, <laughs> you're, not, you're not doing this. <clears throat> this isn't going to work out. Do, do you think, with the di- with not the Dice Town, I'm talking about board gaming in general, what I'm seeing on Twitter and the various social media groups is that that what what we have just described that this type of attitude not not just the virtue signaling but the the idea that you have to um, examine all these different facets of board gaming and then and then jump on this moral bandwagon is that something that you worry about in terms of 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 board gaming if, of it actually causing an issue in the community is that something that's like going to um I don't want to say it's not going to tear the community apart. I don't think that. I think it that's already real. does. Yeah. Well, I, it does to a small degree. On Twitter. Well, on Twitter. 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 Nine. The nine people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like it's not. It's not. It seems like it's a big deal because there's people on social media that that small minority that seems to make it a big deal, hmm. and so. it's not trying to. I, I I often skirt this this fine line of trying to not be somebody who 
downplays other people's concerns about matters just simply because it's like I don't I don't see as this being a huge issue because I you know sometimes my perce- you know, my perception is not often wrong but occasionally it is so it's this idea of all these problems that are constantly being brought forth that we have to be concerned about whether it be just name something you can go on Twitter right now and find it in in the board gaming community do you worry that that's is that just something that's just isolated to board games is it that just the 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 type of people that the hobby uh attracts or is that just something that it's just the loud minority are you familiar with the term baking did i talk about baking the last time i came on here no so baking is a term um that people use when they're talking about conspiracy theories it's it's 4chan it's 4chan uh, language. Basically what it is. So what happened with Q? We were talking about Q and not earlier. What happens with Q is Q would leave crumbs. So his posts would have lots of cryptic things, right? And the anons. So Q is the person who would post. The anons would be the people who would take the crumbs Q-Bert? and they and they would bake them, right? That what baking means is to extract meaning from obscure things. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what it is, is letting fancies run wild, right? So there are certainly things that need addressing in society, and people who play board games are part of society, and when communities come together. So, so there are certain, certain things that, that are worth talking about in a mature way, not in 280 bloody characters, right? But also, there's an awful lot of baking. There's an awful lot of baking. This person said this, if you believe this and then this and then this, therefore they said this, therefore they're a Nazi, for instance, right? So there's an awful lot of baking. So I I think you have to take these things on a case-by-case basis, right? You have to say, do I consider this to be a relevant and worthwhile argument? Or do I think that this person is just baking and, and making up stuff because it releases endorphins in the brain. Calling other people terrible releases a certain endorphin in the brain that is clearly very addictive. I love it. That's what Twitter is, right? Yes, um, and so I, I tweeted something, and this is so ironic because I always say Twitter is the worst place, and it is, but I did tweet something, and I tweeted, posting is not activism, and I truly believe this. It's absolutely true. Uh, if your if your realm of activism is Twitter, you are offering zero, uh, zero, uh, zero, zero <laughs> to the betterment of society. Actually, go out and do something. I have a rant that Gabi has heard numerous times about the term uh, inclusive, which is which right. is the key word that you see on Twitter, and especially something that gets thrown around a lot on board gaming, and. I remember we got an, I think it was an email from one of our listeners and was talking about being inclusive and things of that nature in board gaming and was asking our opinion. And I can't remember if I responded or if I just typed out this email and then deleted it. But Gabby got to hear the the rant of how talking about going and yelling at people who aren't inclusive to be inclusive does nothing. Zero. And that how some things aren't in- inherently inclusive. Some things are people who think, I want to 
engage in this activity with the people that I know. And it really, they have to break out of that. And that doesn't happen by somebody on uh, some social media platform yelling at them and saying, this is what you should be doing. We should be doing this. We should be doing that. But see, you're you're saying they're yelling. Why can't they just be bringing it to their attention? That you, we, uh, when I say... Yeah, I see you're firmly on one side of this already. No, they, when you, I consider it yelling when it's posted ad nauseum every day. Uh, that it that it is a it is something that is just constantly to the forefront, and I had brought it up several times, saying, "Look, if if somebody if you go to a board game convention and you want to be inclusive, basically meaning you want to bring people into this hobby, you make it a welcoming hobby, you go out and you drag people into the hobby, you you introduce it to them, you go to various people that you know, you make yourself available, you create groups, you go to libraries and and." help them institute having board games there locally or setting up these various clubs. There's way of being inclusive. It doesn't happen on Twitter. And it drives me insane that there are just numerous, not just social media posts, but podcasts that talk about this topic constantly. And all that, all talking about it does is make it seem like you yourself are one of these inclusive, all-powerful people who would always be welcome to, to, to entertain anybody in this, this hobby, where the fact remains, the people who do that generally are not. And it's, it, it's just a soapbox that I get on constantly about with, with Gobby, but rarely do I talk about it, just simply because it's, just, it's, it's something where you have to put your money where your mouth is. You have to be well, doing it. So, so, so this is this is something I often argue, right? So, if you look at sports people, oh, yeah. they are often they often talk ab- about sports people having a moral obligation, right? Mm. And I think that is utter hogwash. <laughs> sports people have an obligation to be good at sport, right? Right. So, 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 what if my my idea of my board game hobby is deliberately not inclusive, right? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, let me elaborate here. So what if I have a group of friends that I like and we happen to like playing games with each other and we have absolutely no desire to have anyone else sit at the table because me and my group of friends like to play games together and that's how I choose to keep my free time. There is absolutely no moral element to that in my view this idea that i should be some sort of because i'm into board games that i should be some evangelist and allow anyone to just come and sit down any rando to sit down and ruin my night with their (laughs) execrable personality because everyone's terrible apart from the people i've already vetted seems absolutely nonsensical to me right i am not so so i happen to not be like that actually i'm fine i don't i don't it doesn't bother me if randos Come and sit at my table. And I don't care who you are, by and large. But what I object to is this idea that I should, because I'm into board games, that I should be some sort of evangelist for board games. Absolutely not. If I wish to do that, then then fine. But if I wish just to sit with the same two people week after week after week and play the same games with each other week after week after week, it's nobody's business. Right. And I think that that is something that is often not... Uh, I think that's often something that is not examined because there are a lot of people in board gaming that do have that close-knit group that are not 
extroverted people. Like I believe Gobby would not. We, he's, he's talked about this in the past. You're not one that would go out to invite and be around no. other people. Whereas when we go to a convention, I'm I'm out harassing random people, and the and it's when I go to a convention, I stick close to Jerry. Because, like, if I play a game, it's going to be with Jerry and Enrique, and I'm not the person that goes up to a random table and asks, can I join in? Because that is not my personality. You know, that's fascinating, because you do not come across like that at all. It, it, I'm very, in, in outside of my family and friends group, I'm probably the most antisocial person or shy. I don't know what terminology you want to use. I, I don't go out of my way to talk to people at all. Like, like to, to an astonishing degree. Like if I'm with my wife and we go somewhere and we order food, I'll probably just tell her what I want to order because I don't want to have to talk to that person. If we do anything, I'm a customer service person calls. I don't talk to them. I just, it's, we've had this discussion before, but I, I'm not that type of person. Now, if me and Jerry and Enrique are sitting at a table and someone comes up to us and seems like a nice person, I have no problem letting them, oh, sure, let's play at this convention. But I'm not the person to go up to the table and say, hey, can I join in? Whereas I will invade your privacy. Jerry and is very invasive. Uh, I, I had gone... <laughs> I had gone to the store and bought a bottle of whiskey at the last BGG we were at and was trying to bring it back into the hotel when somebody pointed out that they may not be quite uh, pleased with me drinking, uh, bringing that into the, into the... Jerry had a flask, and he was <laughs> drinking out of the flask in front of everyone. I'm like, Jerry... They said, don't do it. Well, as I'm coming through the board gaming table room, there were three people, three pleasant-looking people, that were trying to learn brass, which happens to be my game, and they mm. needed a fourth. And I stopped and said, hey, can, do you need help learning this? They said, yes. So I set myself up. I said, do you mind? Do you, like, you want to play? Yes, of course. Not only will I teach you this game, but we can drink while I do it. <laughs> and we sat there, and I don't remember these three people's names. They, I, it was just we sat and we Maybe played. The flask had something. To we do with played that. brass and we drank whiskey and I had a wonderful time. I may have ruined their time, but I, it was a great time for me. And you, you know, you that that idea that you have to constantly be. I don't know that 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 I, my rant. Don't get me on the the rant about in, inclusiveness, but I firmly believe that there are just some people due to anxiety, emotionals, whatever it is. That it, no, it's, not even that, though. It's not even that. It's a choice. Is, the problem is, there's always this implication that you have to forgive it. Right. You have to say, well, I have some sort of mental illness, which means I'm not very... No. I just don't like random people. Is a good <laughs> enough excuse, right? I just don't like random people. Well, Sorry. I, but, Sorry, you're <clears throat> not welcome because I don't know you. <laughs> well, that's, that's true. That's fine, I think. I think that's fine. But, now, but the issue is, I think the... the, the Big issue of inclusivity would be the fact that you would be saying, and this is not the case with any of us, but it would be the fact that, and this is what people imply when they bring this up. Of no, I don't want you here because you are blah, blah of a right. certain race, culture, ethnicity, gender. Yeah. But that's not the issue. 
on a, a more uh, a smaller level, generally, like you're saying, it's like, no, you're outside of my friend group. I'm not comfortable right. with that. I don't care what uh, gender race you are. And That's- I am a person of sound mind, and I'm perfectly fine, and I can I can function within life perfectly fine. I just don't know you, so I don't want to sit down for two hours and have to force myself to be polite to you in my free time. I do enough of that at work, right? There's nothing wrong with that, I yeah. don't think. But, uh, but, but uh, we, are, uh, we are differentiating here between on a small scale of a friend group and the bigger scale of board gaming in general, obviously everyone well, and should of course, be and of course of course the inherent annoyance about this right is it's all about unsaid implication so when people talk about it and they drop these sort of signal phrases what they're implying is but look at me aren't mm-hmm. i a paragon of inclusivity? <laughs> aren't i a paragon of virtue that's all twitter which, is which is absolute tripe right because on because they're human beings. On some days they're great and outgoing and confident and they feel good. And some days you just don't feel like it. And that's fine. Don't tell me that you're, you know, you're an ascended master who is absolutely <laughs> who feels completely wonderful about everyone in the world. Because firstly, you don't, because you demonstrate it every bloody day that if someone slightly deviates from what you think, you go absolutely nuts. Yeah. So so, you know, just don't pretend to be an angel that's, because you're not, because that, you're a human being. That's something that's always that always gets me about these people that they talk about these things. And that's why we don't generally go into these type of subjects because they delete them whenever <laughs> I go on my rants. <laughs> but it's like these people that they spit this vitri they go from talking about how you should be this type of person, that type of person. They take this high moral ground at the same time spitting this vitriol towards people that aren't or might take a different stance for whatever reason. It's like... And it's that, completely oblivious. That right? doesn't that doesn't it's seem completely to, oblivious that they're making the same. Yeah, it doesn't gel it, right? with what you're saying. And but I, and it's clear, like no, obviously we're not we're not going to have Nazis in our play group. Like that's okay. That that's like war, uh, universally acknowledged. If some if some guy walks in with swastik swastika tattoos. And they ask to play the game. I'm probably not going <laughs> to have them sit down. But at the same time, right, if someone sits down, I'm not going to have them fill out a form telling me who they voted for in the last four general elections before I decide whether I want them to sit at my you got to run a background check. Right? And, and, so, and so, you know, I have this theory, and this is controversial, and people look at me and they shake their head when I say this, but I think we need to focus on politics much, much, much less. We live in representative democracies, right? This is the operative word, representative. We vote for representatives to do our politics for us because if we bring in politics into every aspect of our life, we'll never speak to our families, because they're not going to agree with us politically, especially our parents, right? We're, ne- we're going to find out that someone we like, we love absolutely every aspect about them. We've got on famously. And then you vote, that you find out they voted conservative in the last election. So I can't speak to them anymore <laughs> because they somehow disagree with my core values. Well, my core values is basically not being a dickhead, right? And this is a really good point. So you can't cut out for that. <laughs> so- <laughs> 
my core values is sort of trying to be as decent as I can in a world that is conspiring to make me not decent every day of my life, right? The fact that you happen to vote. So I had a friend who voted conservative like two or three general elections ago. We've never let him forget it, <laughs> but we're still friends. And I mean, like, he hasn't voted conservative ever since, right? But he's still the Tory in the group, right? <laughs> That's fine. I don't I, understand I these this, English I, terms. I think this idea that if someone disagrees with you on sort of matters of economics, that we somehow have to, you know, usher them out of the room and tell them they're not welcome, well, that doesn't seem massively inclusive to me either. Yeah. I've watched The Crown a lot, and I still don't know the difference between the Tories and whoever They're else. a football team. Oh, man. Well, I, and I, I agree that a lot, there's just so much that goes on that in the world today that people tend to – it spills over into everything else. And board gaming is a hobby. I understand people wanting to um, – I, I understand people, the route that they take in, in terms of trying to – to make the world a better place in their own little way and that they want to make sure their little corner of the world or their little hobby well, that well, they're if it, in. If dude, it's Twitter, it's just, then it's a very, very little it's, ineffectual yes, way. Yes, and, and, and I'm, I'm glad. Speaking of hobbies, what other hobbies do you enjoy besides board gaming and cycling and making videos? Acting. Rant, ranting. I like a rant Rants. every so often. I love a drink, although I'm having a no... This is, is drinking why I'm a hobby. So active at the if moment. So, I'm no booze November at the moment. So you are. I, I went drinking in weeks. My my wife enforced upon me a no drink. I think it must have been like July or June. In the was, middle of summer, it was Come the on, worst man, month of fair. my life. But I had to do it to prove I wasn't an alcoholic, and I did it. And the podcast quality went down awfully <laughs> bad. And to rut there, but I. I, um, I I feel like I go from I go from hobby to hobby, and uh, board games has seemed to have stuck the longest. There for a while, I was into making cakes. I was watching right. uh, Cake Boss and Ace of Cakes. What? This was when this is like nine two thousand. This is some time ago. Okay, I didn't know you back then because I've never gotten no, a cake. I was I was making fo- my own fondant, my own buttercream. Right. I was I was into it. Uh, Following that fun golf, I tried golf, but it's golf's that's, great. That's I a rich man's yeah. sport, though. Say here in the states, at least, because you got to have lots of money to get onto those. Yeah, not in Britain. You have very cheap golf courses. Mm. It's great. You can play a round of golf for five pounds. It's great. What? Yeah. Wow. No, here it's like thirty dollars for a cheap course. Uh, I got into cycling myself at one point. I was much thinner then. I should have kept that hobby. <laughs> I quickly dismissed it, sold my bicycle. I was into... Col- <laughs> this is kind of weird. I was into collecting lighthouses. What? Wow. Lighthouses. Lighthouses? You must have had a lot of, you must have had a lot of space. You're talking about the little big. statues? I, yeah, like, like I liked lighthouses, and I liked pictures of lighthouses, and I was just enamored with... This was about 2000 and two or three I, was, I didn't know this i was really into lighthouses i don't know why. i am extremely anti-lighthouse <laughs> i love how are you anti-lighthouse i don't even listen I'm, to the I band guide the ships into the harbor let them crash <laughs> that's I mean, why I you're not get, get behind that that's why you're but not I, getting I mean, your games I'm not, I'm not lighthouse i i, I mean I, I enjoyed the movie the lighthouse i recommend that i have not seen oh william defoe yeah he is my and friend Pattinson. it was it was good our pat was in it it's black and white much like myself, yeah. but, my thinking. But what are, so my question to you, so what 
in your world, and last time I asked you, are you a happy person? What makes you happy? I would say at this point, so is what makes, there's a phrase my goddaughter says, Shardite. And she says this, and it usually involves drink, surprisingly, (laughs) when we're sitting around drinking with friends. She will say this phrase, I am content in this moment. Right. What is something that you're usually doing when you are content in the moment? So firstly, happiness is a fool's errand. <laughs> we, should not, we should not look for happiness. Sade is absolutely right. We should look for contentment. Okay. It is not the same as happiness. Contentment is achievable. Happiness is transient. And depending upon hormones and things, we should, we should not look for happiness. It's, 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 it's absolutely ephemeral. Um, I love football. Oh, yeah, I, I like watching the football, mm-hmm. um, and the, not 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 your type. I got the, you. The proper type, the Ted Lasso um, kind. No, the the greatest. <laughs> so there are moments when I play games. Often Concordia does this for me, where you just feel that sort of all over body warmth hmm. that is just indefinable. But but there is no question for me the best moment you can have is it's 26 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in, in, in your foreign money. It's 13 I don't pounds. Know, 80, 80 Fahrenheit. That's 50 squid. Right. And you are cycling down a forest path on your bike. You have your tent and you have all of your accommodation strapped to your bicycle. And although it's complete artifice, you feel completely free and you feel that life because we we live a constrained existence but you feel that life is potentially limitless there was there was a moment i walked the camino which is uh which is a a religious pilgrimage i'm not religious myself but it's a it's a good sort of you walk you walk like 600 miles right and there was a there was a point at which I was about halfway on the trip, and my life behind me that I'd left, and my life ahead of me that I was walking towards, both felt simultaneously absurd and unrealistic. My life was waking up at five thirty in the morning, putting on my boots, walking having a beer, finding accommodation, going to sleep, rinse and repeat. And it is the calmest I've ever felt in my adult life. It was absolutely glorious. Having just this sense of simple forward momentum was was wonderful. And that's where I'm truly at peace. And that's why I love cycling, because you put your feet on the pedals and theoretically they could take you anywhere. So then you would, I would, with that in mind, uh, and as most people would probably also agree, with the advent of social media, cell phones, it complicates all that. Yeah, it's rubbish. Makes it much, much worse to see to experience real satisfaction because you're generally on your phone looking at someone else's false satisfaction. Oh, look at me. I'm in the Maldives on the beach. And you're thinking, why can't I be at the Maldives on the beach? Because you don't have a bicycle. And I'm not rich. And you don't walk. You would walk. You could walk to the Maldives. It would require an expensive plane ticket. Well, you could walk down to the the 
Chick-fil-A. But but it's true. Like the the point when I'm most content is just sitting around a campfire with your friends drinking. Right. Yeah. Walking like down the road drinking. Sitting in your living room drinking. I'm thinking drinking. there's a there's a uh, there's a common denominator here. Lying around in a pool of your own urine <laughs> with tears covered in blood and snot drinking. Drinking. That's, that's okay. So that's maybe it. that's we've discovered <laughs> that maybe the habits and how we frame things and our hobbies, how they can affect our our mindset, what we think about, what we do, the the activities that we engage in, and uh, I think that that might be a clue. And I've often, I often had talked to Gabby about how people who collect board games, like I see these people who don't necessarily play them, they just collect them, they just buy them. There's nothing wrong with that, but they're always after new things. That there's a difference between just collecting and then or utilizing the board games as a social interaction or something that really gives you some sort of release or some sort of a feeling or attachment to others. It's different experiences. And you see these people who buy board games by the truckload to have and to collect their experience is completely different than these people who just maintain a small selection of the ones that they usually bring out with their friends or their families. And it's something that is designed to bring them closer together and to have experiences, how that differs and how that can be such a, a much more beneficial experience than the, uh, the the consumerism, the whole idea of having the next greatest thing or looking for that feeling by the newest hotness. And well, I, the people collecting are probably hoping that they experience that. I can't well, wait to crack open this board game and sit around with my friends and da-da-da-da-da. It's the Schopenhauer thing, right? Isn't it? Schopenhauer basically said we vacillate between boredom and frustration. This is This is how human emotions work. We get to frustration, and then we 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 work through frustration and to boredom, then from boredom to frustration. And I guess the goal of life is to try and avoid the two extremes as much as possible. So the whole idea about buying things is to release that little bit of endorphin into the brain that stops you feeling frustrated or bored. The problem is consumerism is so ephemeral. Is we we all know down in our hearts the reason sitting around a campfire with people you really like having a great conversation, why that those are the memories that stick with you, not going to the Apple store and buying mm-hmm. a phone. The reason those memories stick with you is because that's actually what contents us. But no one in our society, and I include myself in this, has any really real interest in promoting that it do you want people to buy your stuff right? right that's 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 what it is i have a podcast that i'm selling that i would love people to buy <laughs> right and so it's it's understandable but we we do live in a society that's why i think something like universal basic income for instance might help people to feel less frustrated by life because they can say, well, then maybe I can pursue things that genuinely give me contentment rather than this fake, dirty contentment that I get for a second by going on Amazon, right? Amazon. Yeah, I love Amazon. And it's just it's just an interesting... Uh, and it, it's odd to me sometimes when you, I see people 
upset over the damage on their board game box. Like they've got this new Kickstarter in and they're showing right. pictures of this little small crooked area that they're they're upset about. And how that means nothing to me. That's something that wouldn't bother me at all. But yet I realized that this this hobby is something different for each person. Absolutely. Like it, it is a completely different experience. It's being utilized for various other reasons. And, and you know, I, I enjoy board gaming. I love the idea of being able to sit down and read, have something tactile, and then have have a a set of rules before me that me and these other individuals are going to engage in, and this is how it's going to work. And that experience is something that, that that's that's what I'm looking for. Whereas I think with others, it's more of the idea of 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 having a collection. So, so I find board game collecting very similar to polyamory in many ways. I So if it works for you, more power to you. I just have my suspicions about it, right? <laughs> so, you know, but but if you, if you hand on heart, say to me, man, it works for me. It's great. Go for your life. I mean, who am I to, who am I to judge? Yeah. Um. We need to wrap up this podcast. I'm about to wrap. Oh yeah, you're you're you're. you're. No, I I didn't have anything. All I had was one note here that I want to know if you know about. You ever heard about okay. John Glenn's fireflies when he was orbiting the Earth? No. So John Glenn, very famous astronaut, mm-hmm. saw what he called fireflies when he was orbiting okay. out in space. They were glowing. Was it a life form? Was it something amazing? No. It was his own urine as it glistened and being expelled from the spacecraft in the sunlight. Nice. <laughs> so you can make anything beautiful if you look at it in the right way. Absolutely. <laughs> and on that note, Ben, thank you for coming on for the second time. You have uh, you need at least one or two more appearances to compete with Dan. That's true. That's we true. can't but keep Dan like off the show. That is understandable. He's a very nice guy. At and five, he's much more charismatic. At, at five, we'll give you the green jacket, and uh, you'll be a you know a five timer. Well, but, Barry, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> that's my brother. I'm a cheap man. He pays for this fancy Zoom that lets you go beyond an hour, which we have done. So that's going to do it for this episode. Everyone, check out Five Games for Doomsday, the yeah, podcast, check it out. the YouTube. Designer notes on Dice Tower. Ben is a well. That's almost what it's called. Good the, job. Which, what is it? Design notes. Design oh. notes. But who makes those notes? The designers. That's true. Uh, oh, quick question about your play that you did. You were kept yeah. posting your face all bruised up. What was the That's story right. behind that? I was a I was a murderous gangster who had been beaten up in some sort of no. I'd had plastic surgery. Oh. <laughs> So I so my, my face that was, was it from plastic surgery. Oh, you did? Not really. No, the, my character. <sighs> in the oh my it's God. like your nose. I'm looks so wonderful. confused. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm naturally gorgeous. So, I, don't, I don't need that stuff. <laughs> your skin is glowing. Okay, so design nuts on Dice Tower. Check it out. That's right. Anything Check else you want to plug to the ten people that listen to our show? Uh, just give me some money. There you go. All right, that's gonna do it. I'm Gabby. This is Jerry. And Ben. Thank you, Ben. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Board Game Snobs. Stay classy. Stay classy.